Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Very excited as our guest today is Scott Gatos. He is the Vice President of Product at Optum. We are proud to have Optum as an ACHE Premier Corporate Partner. Our premier corporate partners play a vital role in supporting ACHE's vision and mission to advance healthcare leadership excellence. Scott provides strategic direction for Optum Commercial IT Performance Services and leads the exploration, development, cultivation, and execution of new IT services products that drive digital value for Optum customers. He has 30 years of healthcare IT experience and has served in numerous senior positions, including CTO, CIO, and engineering leadership for a number of organizations. He has a degree in management information systems from Penn State University. With that introduction, Scott, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. All right. So let's start talking here. Uh, When we first hear about things like workplace modernization, what would you say that means for hospitals and clinicians? Yeah, it's, you know, it's great, Eric, when you say, you know, what what does that mean? I love definitions and context are so important uh, in in this space. So like we say things in this business like digital and cloud and AI, and without context, it's really hard. So when you say things like workplace modernization in in hospitals, I I think about this this group of uh, healthcare execs that I was with a few weeks ago that really helped bring a lot of context to to this particular question of, of workplace modernization. And there the statement was made that administrative burden is the number one stressor for clinicians, and it's the primary cause of burnout. So when we think about things like workplace modernization, then the first place to look is how do we ease uh, that administrative burden that gets in the way right, of, of healthcare delivery? And so what I would say is in that, in that vein, there, there are like two primary groupings of this uh, administrative burden. One is working with the EHR. That's a whole animal all by itself. And the second one is everything else, right? That's in sort of the administrivia of, of trying to execute healthcare. So like with the EHR, modernization there focuses on like, how do you craft the most uh, efficient and effective workflows that both contribute to the best clinical outcomes while also like easing, easing potential administrative tasks, you got to maximize integrations and automation between that EHR and non-EHR. And then you get even further and you, you look at things like ambient technology that sort of listen for notes and, and connections and then create, it like creates a virtual assistant for clinicians whose primary job is to ease the stress that's associated with like taking notes. Um, or looking up information. And then you got the everything else side of that e- equation. So that's, this is where you have opportunities uh, of things like, how do you ease like the simplest areas of like, I forgot my password, you know, or I'm locked out of system X to like virtual bots that, that help you acquire uh, necessary software uh, that you need, or even onboard and train new staff. So I think about this one organization that we worked with, it was a mid-sized hospital system. They have about 15,000 calls a year to their help desk for what is essentially, I forgot my password. 
that requires the equivalent for that organization about one full-time staff member. Now it's not one person, but it's like the equivalent of one FTE to do nothing but deal with, I forgot my password. Not to mention the amount of lost time and frustration on the end user, who's usually a clinician or healthcare administrator. And so like that kind of burden is, is, simply rectified by like simple self-service options. And I think the last thing I'd say, right, in this kind of, you know, like definitional context, it's not just simple things, right? Like like that password reset, like super simple. Um, that doesn't move the needle, right, overall. But all the other stressors of like, hey, why do I have like five logins to log in to different devices, different applications? How come the integration between all of these things doesn't work all that well? And I have all this duplicate entry, or you've got like efficient and, and effective means to help staff like collaborate with one another. You know, we're on a, on a Zoom meeting today. How do you make this communication with one another and with patients, you know, a lot less stressful? So all of those things individually are pretty small, but when you, they're annoyances, but when you add them all together in the daily uh, work of trying to actually administer healthcare, it's like ex- extremely overburdensome with uh, with administrative tasks. So these kinds of solutions or things like this that help hit these stressors, this is how you address, uh, you know, some of the, the, the workplace modernization that is uh, really the, the challenge that we're talking about today. Okay. How about another word we throw around a lot without context, data. <laughs> what is the role data plays in workplace modernization? Yeah, Eric, I, I love it, right? It's, it's, um, here's, I'd say that in a lot of industries, and, and healthcare is no different, data ends up being the lifeblood of, of decisions, right? That, that get made. And, and in this case, you know, it's clinical decisions, it's administrative decisions. Uh, and the thing is, decisions will get made on the data. So it's critical, right, to have that, that data be accurate. Uh, timely and, and consistent uh, across the enterprise. So you've got a whole bunch of disciplines in that space. You have uh, data governance, um, data quality, data management, orchestration. These are sort of core things that need to be in place to have this uh, reliable data ecosystem. So, so we had just talked about, um, you know, you've got the, the EHR and then everything around it. So managing all of the data of, of the healthcare enterprise is, is really necessary. So it leads to the stress of, is it in the EHR or is it not in the EHR? And your data strategy has to incorporate both of those things. So in it and out of it. And then there's data, you know, about, there's data about patient care and there's data about patient administration. And then there's data about like the business of healthcare. Both of those things are important. The, the, the former patient data, you know, it helps it, when you help modernize that, it helps modernize the delivery experience, right, for both patients and providers alike. And then, like, when you, when you modernize the other elements, you, you start to understand where some of the high cost comes in of uh, delivering this care to, to patients. So, simply, I'd say that the proper uh, capture, uh, proper governance, and then the proper movement and leverage of of the data is is critical a uh, critical piece, if you will, to modernizing that healthcare workplace. 
So let's move on then, in your opinion, what are some of then the greatest opportunities we have now for automation when it comes to making an impact? And we're talking about ultimately outcomes here for outcomes and patient experiences. Yeah, agreed. And we can never lose fact, uh, lose sight of the fact that these uh, these outcomes are the most important thing. So, you know, regarding automation, I, I think uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you three quick examples, kind of a, a top level one, and then and then we'll get a little bit deeper because okay. there's automation shows up at different places. So, top level example, I'll go back to that I mentioned it briefly that ambient technology. So to be clear about this, I'm talking about like tech that is centered around, you know, listening to patient and provider interactions, uh, generating a note, and the related data from, from that interaction. There's really incredible opportunity to both reduce the clinician stress as it goes, as well as create sort of a far better clinical note. And that itself then leads to better analysis of the note, by the way, both automated and human-based uh, analysis of a note that potentially, right, can lead to, to better outcome. That's like a real high level, you know, really good example. So you get a little bit more tactical and you think of things like, like generative AI. Generative AI is, you know, showing really good promise at things like effective letter writing. So, you know, utilizing that to help write letters, note letters and such to enhance that provider to patient communication, while at the same time of lessening the burden uh, on the writing side, you know, uh, for the provider. So there's still like, you can't just shoot out an AI generated, you know, letter, you still got to prove and you got to validate, you know, but the initial writing can really be uh, automated better um, in time. And then last one, like super low level, there's quite a bit of automation capability for things like um, assisted medical coding. Right? Or do we put the right codes in there for the encounters? How do we automate and streamline the uh, the claims ecosystem then in a fee for service model, which could really focus on reducing that friction that's always there between a provider uh, and a payer, and then just you know opportunity around general workplace. So like I need this software on this device or I need access to this system, or like my headset that I'm on, oh, it broke, I need a new one. Those daily occurrences cause stress, and so much of that um, can be automated via, via self-service to really just reduce that. So you did a great job of kind of laying out what some of these technologies are. And for our listeners, you know, I'm sure they're listening going, okay, but there are obviously some challenges with implementing what you're talking about. So what are those challenges that you have seen and what strategies do you recommend our listeners using to overcome some of those challenges? Yeah. So, so this is great, right? I love It's not, you can't just throw out challenges. You got to say, okay, but what can you do right, right. about the thing? So, so I love talking about it this way. So challenges, right? We just talked about automation and some of the tech that's in there. And as, and as much as we can, we should leverage automation, but automation isn't always the answer. Why would that be? You just said we should do automation. So, so automating a bad process that can make the bad process go faster isn't a great solution, right? Because if the problem is the process itself, then automating uh, is really just a Band-Aid around the real problem, which is, in this case, that would be process re-engineering, right? So one challenge could be pointing automation at something uh, that, Automation is not going to be the, 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 the cure 
for the for the real root problem, which might be the process itself. So you got to, in that case, you, know, you have to evaluate, you know, should I even be automating this process as is, or do I need some kind of process reengineering? And then further, uh, like in another challenge, uh, we focus on, we, we said earlier, you know, definitions are important. So you hear a lot today, digital strategy, and it's important, right, to understand in a digital strategy, uh, by the way, which is not just about throwing text at a problem, <laughs> right. it's really thinking about what part of your business you need to redo or undo. So in this case, do we have a process reengineering or do we have a process that's maybe not necessary at all? So before we automate that, we need to think about a digital business strategy that might involve a wholesale removal of, of a process or some other one, and then think about digital enablement for, uh, you know, for patients and, and members or, or in, in, a, in a payer setting would be members, right? And then, and then your staff. And then, you know, even more, maybe another challenge here is some of these automation technologies. So one that comes up a lot is RPA, right? Robotic process automation. Um, and, uh, and it's meant, RPA is meant to be in the hands of what might be a, a citizen developer, right? It's, uh, you don't need, um, you know, software engineering background to do a lot of the things with automating through RPA technologies. However, the more detailed you get, and the more complicated the process is, the more that turns into actual programming, which then requires a different skill set than what you originally thought. So if the, if the idea was going to re-engineer some of these processes, we're going to overlay RPA on it, and we're going to have um, not non-technical, but sort of business-oriented process developers build these things, but then you get into more detail and you're like, oh, I actually need like software engineering here. I've, I've thought about this the wrong way. And so that can be a real challenge. So like automating the right things, choosing the right tech to automate it, and then understanding the skill level, these are all big challenges to overcome. So then you mentioned, well, you know, what do you do, right? What do you, what do, you do about that? So process reengineering at a, at a minimum, right? It's, it's process evaluation before implementing any automation on top of that. And this is a sort of a holistic business planning, right? Taking into consideration the business itself uh, mm -hmm. and what the processes are before uh, the technology implementation. And then another, another strategy here, and this can't be overemphasized, but, but training, right? Training is a huge mitigating factor uh, for all of these challenges. It might be training those citizen developers that I mentioned on how to best use RPA tech, or it could be process reengineering training you know, and, and what needs to change about the process. And then the most important part, you know, why are we making those changes? How is it beneficial to the organization? So training, uh, communication, proper staffing, and then, you know, business process before tech, these are strategies, you know, that, that we can really look at here. Yeah, such a great takeaway. Process evaluation before just throwing tech at an answer. Okay, so, so let's just say... You know, we're we're deciding to adopt some of this automation, and it's not like you make the decision on a Monday and then everything is running smoothly on Tuesday. Right. Talk about what's required to for a healthcare organization to make that transition to successfully make that transition. You've mentioned some of it, training, um, going through the proper steps, but what can help an organization go through the transition process? 
Yeah, that's it's 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 great, Eric. It, you're you're so right. You know, it's it's not implement and everything is 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 wonderful. You know, in a day. So the first part of that is then have a plan. You know, yeah. got to actually have what is the actual plan uh, of transition, and if there's a transformation, which there usually is, especially if it's truly a a digital transformation. So have that plan, communicate it, and communicate the why of the plan over and over and over again. It's so funny. Too often we get bogged down in the what and the when of a plan because that's what shows up. The why of a plan is so important in transitioning uh, an organization. So like just when you're like super sick of saying it for the hundredth time, somebody is just clicking. The pieces are just clicking together in their head for the first time. So there's no such thing as over-communicating when it comes to uh, this, uh, uh, any kind of modernization effort that's there. So if that's first, then, then the second part is really be careful about how much change is in each of these uh, transition stages. Organizations can only absorb so much change at once. And so determining, you know, what's the threshold for my organization? What does it look like? Uh, and then plan accordingly of these stages, how many, you know, stages of, of transition and change are necessary. Uh, and then the third part of that would be follow through on the on the full chain. So too often, you know, we, we deploy uh, technology, but maybe the process doesn't fully transform to the desired state and you end up with like half a chain. Uh, that's completed. And, and that just ends up feeling like a tech implementation that, by the way, adds, you know, to that frustration and, and administrative burden. So complete the full change, the processes and the tech. And you have so much gold. I'm just writing so much down. <laughs> Don't get bogged down in the what and the how of a plan and forget about the why. I think that's just so critical to retain that 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 piece of uh, knowledge right there. Uh, one of the things we talk a lot about on the Healthcare Executive Podcast is diversity, equity, inclusion, is health equity. And so I want to ask you about is, is Scott, how can IT modernization and automation, the support we've been talking about, um, how can it create more equitable access to care and better outcomes for underserved populations? Yeah, Eric, that's a that's a great one, right? Because I think it's, and, and here we're talking healthcare, uh, but in general, you know, technology and, and especially easy access to technology can be just a great equalizer, uh, you know, across industries. And in this case, we're talking about it being an equalizer in, uh, in access to, to proper care. I saw a stat the other day, and then I had to look it up just to make sure, because you never know, right? Be careful with the stats. And this one came from the Census Bureau. I feel pretty good about it. But it said that, you know, nine, as, of, as of last year, as of 2022, uh, 92% of Americans have some form of health insurance, which is great. That's a pretty high percentage. But on top of that, 85% of Americans have access to a smartphone, not just a cell phone, but a smartphone, right? So you've got 92% of people that have some ability to pay for care. And then 85% of those that have smart mobile technology that is available to access sort of the, some of the ways in which care is changing. So when, when you look at things like modernizing IT and healthcare, we can't ignore those stats. You've got to take into consideration, hey, a smartphone as a channel is a nearly ubiquitous way of interacting with patients. So how do we maximize that, that channel? By the way, it's not, it's not, 
this isn't new revelatory news. We sure. we know these things, but it's such, it becomes such an important channel. And so if we do that, then the other element in, in the IT estate, right, of, of healthcare, then we, we say they need to become more mobile friendly. They need to embrace changes in how a channel like that opens up patient access. But like we said before, you know, it's not just technology. It's looking at, you know, what are the, what are the processes that need to be rethought so that if we're, if we're sticking with something like, like mobile and, and, and mobile as a channel, then what parts of our, our process need to be removed uh, or wildly changed so we can take advantage of, uh, of that kind of channel? So, I mean, all in all, you know, it's just, that's just another example of this interconnectedness of, of technology, uh, process, and culture that's sort of throughout the health ecosystem. There's lots of great modernization work. That, that's going on in, in providers and payers, life science orgs and, and government health. And uh, it's, it's just great, right, to, to, to be a part of that and, and try to help how, you know, we help, you know, provide solutions and, and better access to care as well. Well, I hope some of our listeners are writing some of this stuff down the way I was. A fantastic conversation. You've been listening to Scott Gatos. He's the vice president of product at Optum. Uh, we thank Optum, of course, for their support as an ACHE premier corporate partner. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Eric. And we thank you all for listening. As always, we'll catch you next time right here on the Healthcare Executive Podcast from ACHE. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org. <laughs>